gendered issue for all women. Hello and welcome to day four of our International Women's Day 2020 series of interviews. Although you can, of course, listen to them in any order you please. You do you, you smasher. However, if you haven't already listened to Hannah and Jen's chat with the incredibly talented and utterly charming Amelia Bullmore, or my natter with inspirational activist, optimistic feminist and all-round top woman Sophie Walker, or indeed Jen's catch-up with, well, well, one-woman whirlwind Sue Pollard, then please do. They are, if I do say so myself, cracking listens. And in the Pollard's case, come with an endearing splash of what the actual fuckery. Who doesn't love that? Still to come, Jen and I caught up with journalist and author Helen Lewis. Hannah chats with Samra Habib about changing your whole world to be who you are. And I'm talking to Vivian Hayes, fierce feminist and CEO of the Women's Resource Centre. But right now, you're listening to this podcast, within which I chat to theatre maker and actor Andrea Heaton, whose new play Smile Club follows Lisa, a Smile Club attendee. Smile Club being the government drive which exists to tame unruly women in Andrea's imagined dystopian future. Although, as we touch on in the chat, it's not really that much of a stretch of the old imagination. I am joined on the phone by writer, performer and theatre maker Andrea Heaton. Andrea, hello. Hello. Okay, rough guess. How many times in your life have you heard the phrase, cheer up, love, it might never happen? Oh, quite a few, I think, or <laughs> variations on it. I'm in my 40s now. I think I've, it's probably, st- it's declining slightly. <laughs> but yeah, it's certainly a phrase that when I mention it to other people, it's very quickly recognised. Yeah, so listeners, there is a reason I open with that. Andrea, together with Adam Z. Robinson. Adam Z. Robinson, how does he say it? I, I think of Zed. Yeah, all right. Adam Zed Robinson. Yeah. You have written the one-woman play Smile Club. Tell us a bit about it. Smile Club is a dystopian feminist thriller. It's a one-woman show. So it's, um, it's one woman's story of an experience of being in an institution called Smile Club, which is being set up to control and, and tame unruly women. Oh, it sounds great. Do you think women are getting a bit too outspoken for our own goods? Do, do I think women are getting a bit too outspoken? I think women have been speaking up quite loudly in recent years um, and in a way that I think has kind of started to be heard, which I think is a really positive thing. I think there's there are, there's kind of a lot of positives to be taken in this, I don't know, <laughs> world where there feels like a lot of negative energy um, yes. <laughs> uh, sometimes. I think things like the Me Too movement and everyday sexism have made a noise that people have heard. And I think, that, I think that's a really positive thing. I agree um, with you. It was a joke question, because <laughs> obviously women are not getting too gobby for our own good. Although I think the patriarchy would like to tell us that we need to get back in our box. Yeah. Yeah. And this sort of, you know, like, oh, OK, well, you can have that bit, but you're moving too far. And I think, you know, fuck off, I suppose, <laughs> that, that actually what we're shouting about is the right to move as slow or as fast as we want and that we should be the ones dictating that. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about Lisa, because she sounds fascinating as a central character. Adam and myself kind of spent quite a, a long time in the in the small club universe, working out who these characters were. I think we want to make Lisa someone really recognizable and I think we didn't want to make us someone who was already radicalized someone who had all the answers someone who was able to articulate all of the arguments because I think in reality we're all I'm not sure there's many people that can really do that I know I can't yeah, I agree. um 
I know that sometimes it's about a sense of injustice or a feeling. I, I don't know. I think I often find myself in a position of thinking, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> when that happened, I should have said that. Absolutely. Um, I think we're also, women are very much socially conditioned to check our emotions, to, you know, just give it that little run through to make sure that we weren't just being overreactive or hysterical. And that doesn't really yeah. go away. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've, so Lisa is very much a character who's done that a lot, who is, is someone who has, when things have happened, that she's felt, you know, felt a bit frustrated, but hasn't ever pushed out of that that's kind of the, the place that we started really is some someone who who doesn't necessarily have radical opinions but that this crazy situation that she finds herself in changes that is there some autobiographical element going on uh, um, for you rather than uh, adam <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned before in my forties, and I think you know, I think when I first encountered feminism, it was as sort of in my early twenties at university, and that was all very exciting, and um, you know, and it was the nineties, and so we were talking about girl power, and then also I don't know, I had a boyfriend who bought Loaded magazine. <laughs> I, I suppose my relationship to being a woman my relationship to feminism yeah has 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 changed over time i think uh, and weirdly i feel like it's something that I, like, I want to attach myself to identify with even more now i'm in my 40s as well and it's interesting when i speak with younger women and even not not that much younger and also much much younger they seem to come to feminism a lot earlier than i did it's it's kind of hopeful I think so. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I, 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 I think it is. And I think, I mean, I, I'm kind of quite aware that I'm sort of choosing that position because I think the alternative is uh, hard to, I, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to stomach, I suppose. But yeah, I, there's I, only I, so, so long you can just shout at the sky. Yeah, there is. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and, and shout at, at things beyond our control. But I suppose as a theatre maker, the thing that I can do both, professionally and personally is to have those conversations mm-hmm. um and to talk about you know so um, you know whether that's having a conversation with my 10 year old about how women are portrayed in the show she's watching or whether that's a i don't know a conversation with a theater audience in a you know in sort of a different mode but i guess kind of the same thing really yeah definitely that brings us really neatly back to smile club because being told to smile or to cheer up it's just so insidiously controlling. Like, oh, what's wrong with asking someone to smile? But because as women we're conditioned to people please and appease men from such an early age, and you get called unreasonable or selfish or unfeminine when, when we do yeah, stand yeah. up for ourselves, it becomes almost second nature just to do that, just to keep the peace. Like, oh God, we can't let our emotions impinge on anyone else's day. Whereas actually... We owe them fuck all, and that smile, like, is so is so much deeper than just a smile. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, one of the things that kind of uh, that I sort of took into the beginning of this process was the, um, uh, Laura Bates' Everyday Sexism book, and there's something about kind of having it all listed like that that is is it, it, it's a real impact. I mean, I, I mean, I think one of the sort of really interesting things when Me Too first appeared was that almost a kind of collective shrug that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to look at that, I think. We need to move away from that place where, where we have that 
response, I suppose. Yeah, because obviously there's some incredible, huge examples of sexism that women face, and a lot of women face every day. But there's also that death by a thousand paper cuts, which is just the little niggly things like being told to smile in the street or just that hand on your bum when you weren't expecting it that, that really like get into our psyche and can really mess a person up. Yeah, absolutely. And they're all about, they're all kind of little, you know, re- re- repeated underlinings of a lack of power. Absolutely, um, uh, and a, and a and a and a constant position of being of threat, I suppose. So, Smile Club is, and I'm quoting uh, Rod Dixon, who is head honcho at Red Ladder. Set in he a, is. He is. <laughs> it is set in a dystopian world in which a government drive exists to tame unruly women, and I've got to say, it's starting to not feel that dystopian. It feels a little bit now. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think, and there's. There's some of that in there, you know. There's kind of there's um, uh, um, been working on a section this morning, which is kind of all about the things that we do that that feel like they're not making a difference. Signing petitions, going on marches, sharing things on on social media, and how easy it is for that to feel empty. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Has writing and getting into the character of Lisa and the other characters in Smile Club has it kind of brought anything to the surface that maybe you hadn't thought about before? Yeah, I think I'm I'm returning to performing after a bit of a break in which I had two children. One of the kind of reasons that Smile Clubs happened is that I decided that I wanted to do that again. And I figured that the best way to do that was to write something for myself. A lot of it has come from me and who I am and where I'm at. Is it nice putting it out there on the page and then on the stage? Or is it scary? It's very scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's really exciting. I feel a little bit like I'm at the top of a roller coaster. Uh, it's kind of quite terrifying, but I think, it, yeah, also really exciting. I'm really excited about what we've made. I think it's a way of talking about something that's got a lot of weight that is, I think, quite fun. I feel it's it's feeling fun to perform, and I'm hoping that that's going to mean that that's going to translate in it, into it being kind of thrilling to watch as well. What is it that you would like an audience, ideally, to take away from Smile Club? Talking about this the other day, I think... I suppose for me, the thing that I want is for a story to leave me feeling changed in some way, mm-hmm. to plant a thought in my head that then comes back to me later, to have images and things that stay with me after that experience. I think um, uh, obviously a one-woman show is crazily intimate, really. Mm-hmm. I want that to be an enjoyable experience, ultimately. Yeah, um, not intimidating, um, but enjoyable. Yeah, definitely, yeah. What would you recommend as a perfect retort if told in the street, come on, smile, it might never happen? What's a perfect retort? Yeah. I don't think I've found it yet. <laughs> we should just be sort of be issued with signs to uh, <laughs> display. I use my hands um, as a sign and just put that middle finger up. That works. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's very clear. Yeah. <laughs> talk about that figure of being an older woman rather than a, a younger woman I mean maybe it's also about being able to support other women in that as well you know that, that if you feel like someone's being intimidated you know to put yourself in between that I suppose that's yeah totally oh I totally agree we yeah. need to stick up for each other there's so much talk about feminism and infighting but really we need to hold each other up we need to be there for each other yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and that's absolutely the thing that makes me feel like what I'm doing personally is possible is, is yeah, is other women supporting me in that.
you're with Red Ladder. I am a big fan of Red Ladder and have been for years, not just because of its vision, which is incredible and really talks about class in a way that quite often gets forgotten, but also the fact that it plays in community spaces. Yeah. How important to you is it to get your work out into what, with all love and respect to Halifax, where I lived for 14 years, I'm going to call the sticks? <laughs> So Red Ladder have a kind of circuit of community spaces that they that they take theatre to. I went and saw a Red Ladder show called Parting Glass last year in a community space just up the road from me in Leeds. I'm really excited by the idea of taking this to someone who wouldn't necessarily walk through the doors of a theatre, mm-hmm. whether that's a financial barrier or whether that's a perception barrier about who is allowed into those spaces. Yeah. I've always been really excited by, I mean, the Arts Council kind of talk about non-theatre audiences, but I I, I think someone going into that space, finding themselves there and then having a really bloody great time, I I find that really exciting. There's a sort of more relaxed atmosphere in a community space than there can be in a theatre. It doesn't feel quite as proper and can definitely definitely feel more welcoming. And I think maybe that, you know, there's a kind of certain there's a bit of a I don't know there's an equality in that as well you know mm. I think I think then as a theatre maker you come in as a theatre company into a space where a community are already existing so you're you are a guest in their space that feels like a positive thing for everybody involved really yeah that is such a really really good way of putting it so obviously like when a theatre you're you're attending the theatre but actually they're inviting you in makes a real yeah. difference probably to how open they're going to be to any message within a story as well yeah, the Red Ladder show that I went to see recently, that was a community space where um, they serve food and they serve tea and coffee and, you know, and things like that. And they were literally hosting an event. And I think that was a really nice thing to be part of. And, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about being the visiting company into those spaces. Yeah, I think because it breaks that class boundary that still gets associated with theatre as well. When actually, personally, I think the arts are such an incredible way of people relating to stories and people relating to what's going on in the world and seeing themselves reflected and feeling less alone in what what might be happening to them yeah definitely I mean I I come from I joined a youth theatre as a teenager and I think I've, I've sort of always viewed the arts world in that way really that that's its focus Andrea you are pretty prolific what is next after Smile Club ah um I also make a family theatre I'm going to be doing more of that. My project coming up straight after Smile Club is um, uh, is a show for three to seven-year-olds about female pirates. Sounds amazing. Which, I'm interested. let me tell you, it's absolutely, there's some amazing stories. There's a whole podcast on female pirates. Uh, Give me your favourite female pirate facts, please. I can't let you say that and not have a, a pirate fact. Right. So the greatest pirate of all time was a female Chinese pirate who, at the end of her reign, was more powerful than the Navy of China. When she retired, they were so keen for her to give up that they allowed her to keep all of her spoils <laughs> uh, and gave her a pension, and she uh, she died wealthy at the age of 69. Awesome. <laughs> Take that, Bluebeard. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So wh- where is that going to be? We're working with that with Leeds Libraries, so that's going to be in Leeds, but then hopefully further beyond. Awesome. And Smile yeah. Club opens at Leeds Playhouse on Thursday the 5th of March until Saturday the 7th of March and then goes on a national tour. All booking details at redladder.co.uk. 
Andrea, where can people find out more about what you're up to? I'm on Twitter uh, as uh, Heat and Tweeting uh, and also Instagram on the same thing. Although that's mainly pictures of my dog. I mean, um, I'm, but, I'm, you there. Know. I'm there for it. <laughs> <laughs> Our Instagram feed is mainly pictures of my zoo and Hannah's two cats. So, you know, we're, we're big fans of the animal posts. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for sparing some time to chat with me and good luck in those rehearsals. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, listeners. We very much like you listening, but we would bloody love you to become viewers. Our live gigs are things of joy, so you should totally come to one. Our next show is in Birmingham on Sunday the 29th of March at the very civilised time of 5pm. And Hannah and I will be chatting with the boss, Sarah Millican, the very talented actor and playwright Helen Monks, excellent comedian and actor Janice Connolly, aka Mrs Barbara Nice, and A.N. Other T.B.A. We're also in the process of finalising gig bookings in Brighton, Manchester, Milton Keynes, London and Edinburgh, so keep an eye on our website for details of those bad boys. That website? www.standardissuepodcast.com Standard issue for all women.